Okay, at this time, we're going to have a scripture quotation by three little children that hold a special place in the heart of our groom and bride, and of course hold a special place in my heart as well. Olivia, Emma, and Jude Wren. They'll be quoting from 1 Corinthians. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. First Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. Does not rejoice in ugly, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. First Corinthians 13, 6 and 7. Love never fails, and no but faith, hope, love, these three, but the other species love. Versions 13, and 13. Thank you. Well, I am so delighted to be here this evening, and I know that many of you are as well. Lori and Rex hold a very special place in my heart, as I know, they, I know that they do for many of you. And I am more than thrilled to be here to see them joined in marriage. Many of us down here in Florida have been, you could say, watching and waiting and wondering if there are any good men left out there for our bride. And we are more than thrilled, I know I am, for the presence of Rex and the life of Lori. The Bible says that marriage is honorable among all. Marriage is such a blessing. We just heard it in prayer, a gift from God. Yet, you don't have to look very far to see marriage tragedy, do you? We live in a culture that is energized by a very real enemy, someone who is set out and opposed to what the Bible would call Godly marriage. We have three enemies, the Bible would say, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we can see in each of them. We can see in our culture. We can see in the energy from Satan himself and in our own sinful flesh the difficulties that this presents to marriage. And again, we can see all around us an unfortunate, an unfortunate case, the difficulties, the struggles uh, in marriage. The Bible would reveal... That since the fall of man, that is to say that since sin entered the world, things have not been very easy on marriage. Adam and Eve, you could say, there in the garden when they fell into sin, the Lord pronounced a curse upon uh, each of them and the serpent as well. And you could see even in the curse, the difficulties that would come to godly marriage. And you can see, it's interesting to look at just the book of Genesis alone and see... uh, the, not only the inward attack on marriage from our own sinful flesh, but also the outward attack. Genesis chapter 4, you could say that polygamy is introduced. Chapter 9, you could say that pornography is introduced, where Noah lies exposed. Adultery is found between Abraham and Hagar. Homosexuality is found in Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. We see incest as well in Genesis 19 between Lot and his daughters and fornication and prostitution and seduction. All of these things, and I don't mean to be heavy-handed, but all of these things, the difficulties, the outward attack, and it's very real, and it's very serious. 
As we look around us, you can see, I could see someone saying, is marriage really all that I thought it wants to be anyway? Some cannot even begin to undo the damage, the scars, the deep wounds that come when, to put it in layman's terms, things don't go well in marriage. A famous preacher once said the following, for most of the modern world, marriage starts with the euphoria of emotion and, bl and love and bliss. Yet gradually it descends into war, characterized by bickering and bitterness and discontent and unforgiveness and separation and often divorce, punctuated all along by just fleeting moments of truce. This is the reality of what we see around us, and you'd have to be blind to see otherwise. And yet I am delighted to say that I can look around a room filled with so many, and I know there are many here today that have lived a godly marriage, a successful marriage by God's standards, and a faithful and a devoted marriage that continues on even to this day. The question is, does marriage have to be that way? Does it have to be what we see so often in our culture? And the answer from God's word is no, it does not. It can be a blessed, it can be a fruitful, it can be an abundant, it can be a bountiful union by God's grace. What we want to do just before we move on to the vows is we want to consider just briefly four illustrative passages. That's my hope is to, is to present to you four illustrative passages from God's word that will help to point us in the right direction, help us to see what God intended uh, in this union of marriage. There are four illustrative passages. We're going to consider just briefly the presentation of a bride in Genesis 2. Then we're going to consider the pursuit of a bride in Genesis 24 with Isaac and Rebekah. And then we're going to think just briefly on the purchase of a bride with Jacob and Rachel. And finally, we'll think a little bit about the pleasure of a bride uh, with select passages from the Song of Solomon. Genesis chapter 2 says this in regard to uh, the presentation of a bride. The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, in order to get the context, it would be good for us to read all of chapter 1 and chapter 2 up to verse 18, but of course we don't have the time to do that. But for those of you who know, you know that God, throughout Genesis chapter 1, was speaking the world into existence. And time and time again, as each day went along, God repeated this phrase, and God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good, over and over again. Until we come here to chapter 2 and verse 18 of Genesis, and for the very first time we read the words, and God said, it is not good. Now, oftentimes when you and I say something's not good, we mean it's not good. But as I was thinking about it, this has got to be, in my own mind, one of the best not good statements I, I know of. God said it is not good that man should be alone. In the presentation of a bride, this is the very first marriage you could say, we see two things. Number one, that marriage was God's original desire. It wasn't Adam, at least not that we know of from Scripture, that first said, it's not good for me to be alone, although some of us may echo that from time to time. But it was God's desire originally. And it was also, we find, God's design. Remember, God said the words, it is not good that man should be alone. So God identified the problem. He identified uh, a need. And God also provided the solution. It was God's design. God said, 
I will make him a helper comparable to him. And the story goes on to say that the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. This is a very interesting mathematical equation, some have said. We have here in two verses, one become two, and then two become one. Adam was put to sleep there as God opened up his side, removed a rib to form the bride for Adam. And then God would bring her to the man, and Adam would say, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, the Bible says, A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. There may not be any more beautiful passage in the Word of God concerning things that God has done for us than what we see here in Genesis chapter 2. As God identifies the need, it was His first desire. He then provides the solution as Adam is put there to sleep, and out of Adam's side comes his own bride, brings Eve, presents her to Adam, and now these two shall become one flesh. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. What a beautiful story. And what a beautiful reality of what the Lord God has done. And Genesis chapter 2 finishes with these perhaps not so familiar words. The two of them were there. The Bible says both naked and yet unashamed. Here they stood utterly and totally exposed before God and man and yet unashamed. And I ask you today, if your life were to be fully exposed before God and man, could you remain unashamed? The beauty of walking blamelessly, and it's an encouragement to the bride and the groom from the very outset, to assure that you're walking in the paths of the Lord, to assure that sin is kept at a distance. It may be easy at the beginning, but as time goes on, to assure that sin is kept at a distance, that you can live a life that's fully exposed to one another. The the Bible says in Hebrews 4, of course, we know, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things lay naked and open before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It's the reality of the word of God. The beauty of walking blamelessly together. There in the presentation of a bride, it was God's original desire and it was God's design. And then in Genesis 24, we have the pursuit of a bride. Some of you are familiar with the story where Abraham, at the very, it seems, end of his life, sends out a servant to go and find a bride for his son Isaac. And there are three words that come to mind as I have thought about this passage and the servant's pursuit of this bride. And the three words are value, virtue, and volition. Value, virtue, and volition. Obviously, Abraham knew something of the value of a bride, for he himself had his own bride, his wife Sarah. And so one of the last things that he would do while here on earth is send out his servant to find a bride for his son, Isaac. The Bible says in Proverbs 31.10, regarding a virtuous wife, her worth is far above rubies. She has a value that is far above rubies, the value of a bride. And no doubt Abraham recognized that. But there's something else. There was virtue involved. You see, not just any old woman would do, per se, 
But Abraham had specific requests for his servant. Go back to my, my family. And so there's virtue involved. Not just in, I, 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 I assume that many women have passed through Rex's path in life's time, but only one has caught the eye of our groom here today. And so there's virtue involved. Not, not just any woman would do, but Abraham said go, and he had Isaac, or he had his servant to look for someone in particular. And to reiterate the verse we just read, Proverbs 31 and verse 10, who can find a virtuous wife? Now, we don't have very much time, but I could share some very personal things about our bride here today. I know her personally, of course. Lori's my first cousin, and we've grown up together here in South Florida and spent very much time together. You could translate that verse, whoever can find a wife of valor. That is excellence in all senses of the word. And I know Lori to be that. She's been a blessing to so many of us on an individual basis. She's a great chef. She's an athlete. She's great with children. You could say she's gifted at dealing with the gifted. And we've been blessed by her as an individual. And we trust now, as she's joined together with Rex, that Rex will be blessed by the valor of this virtuous woman and that they will together be a blessing to the rest of us. But there's also volition involved, isn't there? You remember the question, if you know the story, that was asked of Rebecca. Rebecca, will you go with this man? That was the question that was asked to her. Now, this is common thought, right? Because you don't have a love story without two individuals who both agree together. We have before us today a very lovely love story, as fast as it has been. But we understand there are two parties involved. Will you go with this man? And obviously, we take it that she will. And that was the question... That was the question. Love must be reciprocated. If we didn't have volition, then we would have a stalker story, wouldn't we? Because to force your love upon someone, well, that's not very delightful at all. But when there's reciprocated love, how beautiful it is. And certainly we have that before us today. And then to just move on, we go from Genesis 24 to 29. And of course, there's so much in the word of God that could be taken regarding marriage from the very outset, like I said, in Genesis 2, all the way through to the end. In Revelation 19, we find the marriage supper of the lamb. There's lessons to be learned all the way through, but I've taken a few. In Genesis 29, we find out that there is a bride who has been purchased, a bride who has been purchased. There was that man, Jacob. He finds himself among uh, his uncle's uh, uh, flocks and herds and people. And there that day by that well, this woman comes along and the scripture could almost say it no more clearly, but he was floored. Wow, from the very outset, Jacob saw this woman, Rachel, and it's assumed that he must have thought from the very beginning by the way that he addressed her and the way he addressed her family that he felt that she was for him. And so Jacob goes and if you know the story, he worked seven years for Rachel, but he ended up being deceived and he wasn't given her. And then he works another seven years, 14 years in total, worked for his bride, Rachel, before finally he's given the one that he loved. The purchase of a bride. Rex, 
and to each of the husbands here today. If you're going to have and to hold this bride, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you quite a bit. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. There's going to be a sacrifice involved more than you're ready to give at the current moment. But you take it day by day and you learn what it is to lay down your life in that sense on the altar of sacrifice for the sake of your beloved bride and your family as a whole. The purchase of a bride. It's going to cost you something. And I could certainly say some good things about Rex. I haven't known Rex for very, very long, of course, compared to what I have known of Lori. He's come into our lives, but he's fit right in, as if he always, had always been here. To my children, they'll always just know Rex and Lolo. They go together. That's just the way it's always been. And that's the way he's fit in. There are many physical attributes about Rex. He's a good athlete. He's a handsome young man, as I look at him now. He's a good singer, and he's joined a family that likes to sing. But he actually can sing, which is terrific. <laughs> but certainly the one thing that I know for myself, and I can speak for the family of the bride and for the others looking in, we've been delighted to see a man who loves the Lord, who takes the word of God seriously, and loves the Lord's people. And lastly, the pleasure of a bride. And we won't take much more time but as I said at the very beginning, marriage is a blessing, is it not? Anything in life that comes with, anything in life where there's going to be great blessing is going to come with great responsibility, right? You want a good job? Well, you're going to have to put in the time. You're going to have to have the education and so forth. It's going to come at a cost. There's going to be a sacrifice. And marriage is no different. It is a massive blessing. It can be extremely joyful and beautiful, and bountiful, and whatever other adjective you want to give to it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It is a gift from God, the pleasure of a bride. Song of Solomon says in 4, in verse 1, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair, the beauty of a bride. No doubt, God had us men in mind when he fashioned the woman as we look upon the beauty of the bride. How fair is your love, my sister, my spouse. How much better than wine is your love. How fair you are and how pleasant, O love, with all of your delights. There is a great blessing. There is a great privilege to be married, to be joined together. We have, in Ecclesiastes, you could say, the thoughts of companionship. There is a face-to-face -face relationship that you'll enjoy. There is also partnership. There's a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder moving forward to get things done. Marriage is a blessing. There's so much in it, and we thank the Lord for it. I want to close with this. We've considered some peas, so to speak, from the Old Testament. But when you fast forward to the New Testament, you find out something else about marriage and about the bride. It is also a picture. It's a picture. The Bible tells us a love story with which there is no compare the story of a God who loved, of a God who pursued, of a God who purchased, of a God who took great pleasure, wonder of wonders, and of a God who will one day present his bride unto himself. Ephesians 5, again, says, Husbands, love your wives, 
just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Marriage is a picture of something much greater, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, remember the question, there's volition involved, will you go with this man, that whosoever believeth on him will not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest love story ever told, and it's repeated day after day, week after week, Sunday after Sunday, in many churches around the world. The story of God's great love for you and I, sinners who were lost, condemned, unclean, But the Lord Jesus Christ in his love, how he sought us out. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He sought us out. He laid down his own life. He purchased you there at Calvary. Will you go with this man? An amazing love story. An amazing picture of God's love of the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. At this time, the bride and the groom will make some vows to each other. Rex and Lori, if you intend to accept each other as husband and wife, please make it manifest by facing one another and joining hands. Rex, I'll begin with you. Rex, do you take Lori to be your lawful wedded wife? Do you promise to love, honor, cherish, and protect her, forsaking all others and holding only unto her as long as you both shall live? Lori, do you take Rex to be your lawful wedded husband? Do you promise to love, honor, cherish, and protect him, forsaking all others and holding only unto him as long as you both shall live? Rex, will you repeat after me? I, Rex, take you, Lori, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, in wealth or poverty, in sickness and in health, in sickness or in health. To, love and to, cherish, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Till death do us part. Thank you. Lori, will you repeat after me? I, Lori, take you, Rex, to be my wedded husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, in wealth or poverty, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. Rex, what token do you give as a symbol of your vows? Please place the ring on Lori's left hand as you repeat after me. This ring I give you in token of my constant faith and abiding love. With this ring I thee wed. Lori, what token do you give as a symbol of your vows? Please place the ring on Rex's left hand as you repeat after me. This ring I give you in token of my constant faith and abiding love. With this ring I thee wed. The bride and the groom have chosen a unity tree as a symbol of their union together. Rex has brought soil from Colorado, and Lori has brought her own soil from Florida, and they're going to combine the two together as a vivid picture 
signifying the inseparable union that they're entering into today. Two separate lives, no doubt, each fully capable of going their own ways, but now united together as one in Christ. just close in a word of prayer. O God, our Father, we come before you. As the songwriter says, by the virtue of our Savior's precious blood, all distance gone, our souls by grace set free, we worship you, our Father and our God. We thank you, O God, for this blessed union of marriage. We understand from your word that it was your original desire, and truly it was your original design, and we are so grateful You are a good God. We acknowledge you as such. You give good gifts. And we thank you for the blessings of marriage. We thank you for bringing Rex and Lori into one another's lives. Thank you for fostering and helping to develop 
uh, their personalities and their spiritual life uh, in the time before they met and their relationship since they've met. We thank you for the blessings. We give you thanks and just ask your blessing upon them as a couple as they go forward seeking to live out lives that would be honoring and glorifying to you, seeking to fulfill for Rex the godly role of a husband and for Lori the godly role in being a wife. We just pray that you would help them, help them to rest heavy on your word, to look to you for instruction and guidance. We ask help as well for each of the marriages in this room that represent the, the, the blessed and beloved picture of Christ's love for us. What a wonder. We just ask your blessing upon us as we part today, giving you our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Rex and Lori, inasmuch as you both have agreed to enter into the sacred bonds of marriage and have witnessed the same before God and these witnesses, by virtue of the authority of the word of God and by the laws in the state of Florida, I do now pronounce you husband and wife. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. Rex, you may kiss your bride. Rex and Lori, will you please turn and face your witnesses? Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends.